1: Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1, cars. What else? Cars? Cars. We talk cars. About cars, cars. We? <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And, Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the episode i think we just got to dive straight in with my bugatti experience oh yeah oh yeah because that video went live yeah but it was white the car oh. <laughs> well is that a bad thing yeah really it's all right like- if you're in dubai but i wouldn't have a white one would you I actually think it looked pretty good. No, I mean, I wouldn't spec a white one. Would I have one? For sure. I wouldn't care. I mean, I'd take one in poop Brown. In fact, I spec'd one in poop Brown on the configurator did there. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy with the poop Brown car. I mean, I would literally have a, a Bugatti in any colour. Okay. Uh, I, it didn't matter. And it, it did look good in the sunshine. It had the, the tan interior. It did kind of suit the car, I suppose. But yeah, I had this incredible experience, which we spoke about briefly in last week's episode, before I went. Well, we had an argument. Well, we did have an argument. That's pretty standard for us. <laughs> um, I guess we can pick up on that argument slightly and discuss a little further as to whether now that I've driven the Chiron Supersport and had my Bugatti experience, whether I would still choose a Chiron over a laugh. But in general, I just kind of want to share a little bit more of the behind the scenes of that experience. Fair enough. How it all went. Um, and actually, before we get into the Bugatti stuff... When I arrived into Frankfurt, the airport we flew into, and then had to transfer over to Molsheim, France, because it's in the middle of nowhere, mm. I was picked up from the airport in a Mercedes EQA, right? A little electric GLA, I guess. Yeah. Do I? Do they claim that that's built from the ground up? The EQA? I, I'm I,
2: sure they. I don't know, mate. I mean, do they? Do they actually build everything? For I mean, I would say all these electric cars, Mercedes. They've probably got similar platforms and similar,
1: and yeah. they just build from
2: them. Because I mean, like
1: BMW iX, you can tell, ground up. Right? Ground that's, up. A, that's a whole new thing, and yeah. Taycan, ground up. But yeah, I was in that EQA thinking, is this just a GLA that's slightly... Well, I should do some research and find out. Yeah, It wasn't the cars there to, to review, so I didn't do any research. But I did keep a very close track on the range, because as we got into this car, I looked over at the guy's wage and it said two hours and 20 minutes to the hotel. Mm. Firstly, I was like, oh, poor off. Yes. <laughs> Definitely didn't want to see that on the uh, on the estimate. But uh, I was like, that's a, that's a considerable journey to be doing in an electric vehicle. So I, I then immediately checked the charge level and the range. He had charged the driver, had charged up to 100%, and the range was, I don't know, 347 kilometres, something like that, I can't remember off the top of my head. Which is 200 miles-ish. A bit, yeah, a little bit more, 225 miles, something like that. And I think to the hotel was 290 kilometres. So, you know, theoretically, plenty of range and things like that. But given my prior experiences, I was a little apprehensive. Mm. And the last thing I wanted is to add on to that two-hour journey. Isn't it amazing that you've got in a car, technically full up with fuel
2: or electric, and you're flapping that you're actually going to get to that destination? I mean that just don't happen in a combustion car.
1: Well, the the reason I was flapping is because while well, we were in Germany, so we we're going to be going on the autobahn. Yeah, there were three of us in the car. Yeah, a couple of oh. us were plugged phones into charge. Mm. Actually, there are four of us with the driver. One, we loaded up with luggage, so all these uh, had a little bit of aircon on. Mm-hmm. So all these things that actually usually do impact on. Yeah, electric range. drain Drains the battery. Mm. And so, yeah, you're right. Obviously, if you're in a combustion engine car, you just think, well, worst case scenario, we're going to have to fill up with fuel. I guess the worst case scenario here is he was going to have to pull over and charge. But yeah, long day travelling, it was the last thing we all wanted and we'd been delayed and I won't bore you with it. Anyway, long story short, EQA performed fantastically. Mm. Got us there with thirty percent, 37% of the battery charge still remaining. Uh, About mm, 90, 90 kilometres, I think, still on the range, something like that. Um... I suspect the ball ache for the driver was that he would have had to have driven to the airport, charged, and then come and met us. Correct. Um, but i oh, actually know the other thing I'd say is we did drive very slowly. Well, I'm glad you've mentioned that. Yeah. Because I've got a little bit
2: of a <clears throat> little bit of a bugbear with electric car drivers in general. They do drive really slowly for a reason. Yeah. So To, to maximise that range. To maximise the range, yeah. Like, when I say really slowly, they don't even drive the speed limit. So I was behind a Tesla yesterday in a 50 mile an hour speed limit, and he was
1: doing maximum 40 mile an hour. Yeah, I, th- I think the worst for sure is out on the, on the motorway, right? Yeah. It's, you know, so, so have you ever been on the autobahn going slowly? Uh, no. Terrifying. <laughs> actually terrifying. I mean, you know, it's intense enough if you're going at the sort of right kind of speed, but then, yeah, I mean, we had cars, you know, we had lorries coming past.
2: I mean, that's like, not ideal.
1: I think we were probably averaging, actually, I don't know the limits, but maybe a hundred kilometres an hour, which it, it, felt, it felt slow. Yeah, it felt, on the Autobahn, it felt slow, but that was all about managing, managing the range. But you know, it, it was fine. I, I, was I impressed? Sure. Should I have been? No, not really. The why fact I I'm, impressed. Well, there you go. I mean, the fact that I was there, going, "Oh, well done, well done." The little electric car made made it to the hotel. That shouldn't have been, I should have been like, "Yeah, of course." But so would the petrol car much faster? Yeah, exactly, M- much so faster. Why are you no, because of my negative stance towards EVs. Right. As, uh, you're, you're totally right. I agree with you. There shouldn't be a moment where I'm like impressed yeah. that the car has achieved its primary job. Yeah, yeah. But, but I sort of was. And, and it was nothing against the vehicle. And actually, there were a couple other journalists with me. And we discussed the fact that actually it is a shame because these products the cars are getting better and better. Of course they they are, It's just the infrastructure, which Mm. is just letting it down. But I wanted to mention that because, you know, we do talk about EVs in quite a negative way on this podcast. The cars are getting better and
2: better, to be honest. They they are, and I have noticed that they are getting better, but, I mean, we've still got such a long way to go. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm, are mm -hmm, still...
1: Miles away. Miles away, but it's going to be... Companies like Bugatti are going to help maybe push this forward because, of course, they've now got this partnership, this ownership with Rimac. Mm. So a big future ahead for Bugatti. But I was there to definitely look at its current state and that being incredible combustion engines. Mm -hmm. And yes, the experience was... I think everything that I, well, at least tried to showcase in the main video, an unbelievable, unbelievably unique experience in terms of visiting a car... Manufacturing. It was yeah. like nowhere else I've yeah, ever been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McLaren's MTC, the McLaren Technology Centre. Unbelievable, incredible, very impressive. Uh, Ferrari and Marinello, actually never quite as impressive as you would think, but all the history or the heritage or the Italian flair. Pagani, actually, is just a big unit on the back of an industrial estate. Uh, Koenigsegg I've never been to. What other impressive... Lamborghini. Uh, Lamborghini's quite nice, but again, it's just a big, big factory in the middle of nowhere. Um, this is just like going to an incredibly exclusive, expensive Chateau in France. That's what it is. It just happens to be owned by and run by Bugatti. And there's a little... They call it an atelier. They don't call it a factory or plant because Bugatti do things slightly differently. Essentially, they get all of the parts and components from all these different suppliers around the world, and then they put the cars together Mm. in Molsheim. So it's not a sort of production line going on. No, Um, Still very impressive. And they had probably five, six cars on the go at any one time, a lot of cars that we weren't allowed to talk about, a lot of cars that we saw that we weren't allowed to photograph, some exciting new models and some customer cars that were, were coming out and things like that. So, yeah, it just felt expensive, mate. Yeah. Well, it, it felt is. VIP. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, literally that. And yeah. that. that's why last week I was trying to sort of fly the Bugatti flag for you, because... You, you genuinely do not get that experience anywhere else. And I, you might come at me and go, oh, wow, well, hold on a sec. If you're a VVIP, for no. I genuinely don't believe any other manufacturer can give you the experience that Bugatti can give you in terms of a factory visit. And that's good, because they are asking more than anyone for a car. So the fact that they do it the best means they're doing it properly. Absolutely. And, and then when you start to really understand how they create these cars, what goes into them, mm. again, it, basically it adds value to that price tag. Because you're mm. right, they're extortionally expensive, but the entire brand and the product kind of justifies the price in my yeah. mind. The levels of detail, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we talk about panel gaps, you know, quite often when we're talking about cars, things like that, especially McLarens and even Ferraris or whatever. Aston Martin. Oh my God. <laughs> they have a tool there, a little plastic trim tool. Which is a millimetre measurement that the guy putting the car together has to go around every single panel gap and shut line and measure. And if it if the wedge doesn't just slide through those gaps, the car goes back. It has but to be reworked. The on.
2: Germans will do that, mate. The Germans will do that. Like I, I would think, the quality control at
1: Porsche and stuff like that. Porsche maybe, but yeah. we've just mentioned a whole lot of brands that it sometimes falls German apart. Why though? Okay, fine. Yes, that's the VW Group influence, yeah, I'm sure. I think so. But it's also the levels of perfection that Bugatti are, yeah. are, are trying to achieve. You know, yeah. e- everything is over-analyzed, yeah. over-engineered, over-perfected, over-thought through. And you, and you really get a sense of it. Mm. I'm not sitting here because I drank the Kool-Aid and had an amazing experience. It's just everything I hoped Bugatti would be coming to life in front of me and going, yeah. yes, this is why I see them as the ultimate luxury hypercar brand. Fair enough. So it was an amazing experience. Very good. Driving the car, very cool. Was it wholly different to the Chiron Sport I drove a couple of years ago? Potentially not. Okay. 100 horsepower more, uh, slightly longer (laughs) How you'd notice that
2: difference? I do not know. Uh,
1: Well, between 1500 and 1600 horsepower, you're not really going to notice the difference. They have done some other changes, but yeah, I I, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you know, in the way I experienced it, it wasn't night and day from the Chiron Sport. Yeah, But it was quite a short drive the only thing I'd say so if you drive a car from Bugatti they always put somebody next to you now I had Andy Wallace next to me I mean that's not a bad thing this is the guy who set the world record or or, you know the record at 304 miles an hour he's an incredibly interesting guy fascinating but I don't know about you I never really enjoy driving a car when somebody I don't really know is with me well yeah I would agree mate because
2: even if someone's with me full stop I I never drive as quickly if I've got someone in the passenger seat as if I do if I'm on my own, because, like, if I make a mistake and I bin it and I really hurt myself or die and I'm on my own, that's my problem. If if i done what I've just said with someone in the passenger seat and I lived and I was completely fine and the passenger died, I couldn't live with myself, so... That's a big reason I'll never drive quite as fast.
1: You're right. Respect is a huge part of it, right? Yeah. Res- yeah. Respect for your passenger, respect for the owner of the car, respect for the situation. And I, I'm so with you. I always want to be respectful, especially when I'm filming a car. And also you've got to be respectful of other road users and viewers and everything that goes into making a YouTube video. But you're, yeah, that you're right. I think just inherently you do drive faster by yourself. And therefore me as a, if I'm, Trying to talk through the experience of a car, would I be better at doing that by myself? Probably. I think that's what I'm trying to. You know what, as well.
2: You know what, as well. Like I've been in cars with people before that I would never ever get back in a car with them, and I, I don't want anyone to get in the car with me and go flipping.
1: Oh, he's a lunatic. I'm never yeah, same. in the car with him. Oh, like, of course. So yeah. I'm
2: always a bit, a bit
1: reserved and a bit. For Smooth that and easy. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to be the idiot getting in a Chiron on Super Sport and scaring the crap out of Andy Wallace. Oh, yeah, and yeah, being yeah. Oh, that guy can't drive. And don't let him exactly. get in the cars again. Yeah, because hopefully he'll say, "Oh, he drove great. He drove very like yeah. sensibly, and he can drive a Bugatti any time." Where if yeah. i have gotten and act like a hooligan, and like I say I still had an incredible experience, and I'm so like doing what I do, I get to drive incredible cars, and I don't care if I'm driving them in a parking lot or on the best road in yeah. Europe. It doesn't matter. I drove a shear on Super Sport. I got an insight into what that car's like. But yes, looking back at it now. I, I basically that comes down to i want to spend more time in the cars that's mm. all it is i just want to spend more time in the cars um and uh, anyway so yeah i'm sounding a bit maybe i'm sounding a bit spot no i don't think i am but no I'm you're just, not just trying well, to the analyse, other
2: big element it. as well we are talking about the road as well mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what car you're in you can only go a certain speed on the road anyway absolutely the problem is when you're in a fast car sometimes it doesn't feel like you're going that fast when you actually really are going that fast and um, sometimes your anticipation for speed especially if you're not used to it and you're in a real fast car that's when it catches you out so if you get someone that say someone that drives an M4 every day that probably drives it quite fast and they think they can drive and they drive briskly whatever and then you step into a any supercar it's another level mm-hmm, mate. And, mm-hmm. and that's what catches people out and I, and I think that people need to appreciate the machine and the car they're in. You have to respect it because these these cars in general now mate they're just too fast for the road. so that chiron, regardless of what car you was in, that chiron is just too fast for well, the road. You're so right. And, and,
1: th- <laughs> and the best part was, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, at one point, Andy was trying to uh, talk through and illustrate traction, because obviously four-wheel drive mm. or all-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, incredible traction in this show. Of and course. that is the mind-boggling thing. You know, it just launches constantly. Yeah. And it very rarely breaks traction. And so at some point, was it before or after? Like, I think it was before I got behind the wheel. He goes, look, we're going to do a first gear pull. I just want to show you what happens. And he does a... <laughs> and then... As he as he's launching down the road at God knows what speed, we hear a little tiny bump, and the car goes woo, and he goes, so, okay, so there it did break a little bit of traction." I was like, "Okay, I'm not doing a first gear pull," because I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, if you're that's the because first... you a bump though, right? Yeah, yeah, of can, course, yeah, 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 no, no, that. no, but yeah, yeah. but but what I'm saying is like, you know, you're right. It's the road, and you've got to realize what you're in, and and it's a lot, and you got to build up to it. you got to really respect that performance. And just the factory test driver just sort of slightly scared himself a second ago. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, no. okay, I'll do a second gear pull. But do
2: you, know, do you know when that happens? I know we're going slightly off topic. Do you know when you're driving a car, fast car, and you hit a bump, yeah. do
1: you tense up? Oh, yes. Do you? Oh, well, no. Oh, I, don't, I, I, I don't. I don't tense up physically. I tense up in the gut. Do you? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely have those moments where things will happen, like... A little squirm, a little flinch, whatever, and then and then I'm like, and then I everything slows down. Yeah, Do you yeah. Know, I'll come off it a bit to yeah, have a moment. Yeah. Oh, I nearly died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, the worst one of that I, when I got the 540C, the first ever road trip I did in the McLaren 540 c uh, Was it the first ever road trip? Must have been with uh Paul. What was Paul driving? I have no idea. Well, what we went was to driving. Scotland very quickly after you got that car. Okay, so, I... so it must have been later than that. Yeah. Uh, I actually have no idea what trip this was, but Seb Delaney was in a Batmobile. James was in a six seventy five LT. Ah, yes. Uh, Paul was in his Hurricane, and I was in the five forty C. We were going not Route Napoleon, but one of those roads, mm. hurtling towards this corner. And I turned in, and I came off the accelerator. Oh no! <laughs> Big slide towards the barrier, like the whole went straight. Well, yeah, like mid mid corner. So mm. I, I, you know, I just why did I come off the accelerator? <laughs> I was just sliding towards this barrier a bit got back on it fucking slide down the road and I thought oh shit I nearly just died <laughs> but do you accelerate round a corner or do you wait oh it depends what I'm driving okay, but in, in that moment there I came off the pedal midway through the corner so you unsettled the car Unsettled the car the So you was running.
2: so you was on the accelerator halfway round the corner
1: So I'd I'm trying to think I actually can't remember I exactly what know what, what you've done there No no I I've 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 gone towards the corner i've slowed down i think the corner's been wider or tighter i can't remember mate. You've this got was on four the power years ago.
2: Come off again. better driver now than what you were four years ago though
0: yeah i'm trying
1: to think you know you will but you're alone. no but also i just come out of an f-type into a 540c yeah, so it's yeah, all yeah. about understanding the the, the physics car. and the dynamics yeah. exactly but that was a scary moment yeah anyway Chiron experience, Bugatti experience, unbelievable. Mm. I pray and I hope I get an invite from them at some point. I made it very clear to them that I would love to drive their car some more at some point in the future. They're like, oh, yes, nice. Thank oh, you for I'm coming. By. Go no, I don't. I Do want. I have absolutely zero interest in doing that. My, d- my like dream. Track? Yeah, no, my, I'm sure it would be good. It, it, it definitely performed in corners way better than I was mm. uh, expecting. Um, but my dream is to do a long distance road trip in that car. It's my absolute dream. I don't know where. I don't care when. But over I I don't want to do a. Well, who cares about going 370 miles an hour on a motorway? Oh, sorry, not a motorway, a runway. Mm. Great. What well, on you? Like cool. Yeah, Go well, just experience, experience about, it. Yeah, Take it but, somewhere. Do something well, cool if anyone's
2: got a Chiron spot, they'd like to lend Sam for Whoa. a week or so.
1: Actually, I That's do know that one of our listeners does. Really? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Hello, <laughs> Hello. Uh, Mr. Jet Collector, who's submitted his car for our Rate My Rides, which is coming next week. Um, yeah, does have a on. so <laughs> if you fancy doing a road trip or letting me do a road trip, get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on, because other things have been happening uh, in the last week or so, since I've been away and since we last caught up, including you getting a new Range Rover into Oh, I have. Hello. So, was it a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the crazy overs for new Range Rovers? Yeah. And now you've got one.
2: They are, (laughs) they are overs, yeah. And and if I'm honest, uh, my car is overs. It's not the bonkers money that... They are, actually, I've seen
1: some going for fifty or sixty k over. No, 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 no.
2: They're not fifty or sixty grand over. Mate. But I've no, seen so. people trying. They're, yeah, they're advertised for that, but they're not. They're not. I've. I know a couple that have changed. Few that have changed and that are nowhere near that money. Yeah. And my car's nowhere near that money. I've priced it up. <clears throat> um, Market value. And a bit less, yeah, oh, yeah, well yeah. Well done, you. You want yeah, to get rid of it? Hey? Yeah, I want to sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no point. What's the point in putting it up at fifty or sixty grand over and still looking at it in yeah. two <laughs> months? I mean, I want to sell the damn thing. So anyway, I've got, I've got this. Uh, it's coming. Um, Spec. The blokes flipped it <gasps> because he's flipped it for a profit. I've give him a bit more money overs. I've not given him a lot, but I have. Um, there's reasons behind it. I'm not interested in his reasons. If he wants to sell his own car, that's up to him. Um, it's a, it's like a metallic blue. Oh, nice. Uh, like a dark metallic blue um, with um, like ebery, ebony ivory interior with dark wood. It's lovely, A mate. It's classic like, Range Rover Spy. Yeah, with 22-inch well uh, um, dark black wheels, like gloss Oof. black wheels, Oof. black pack. Engine? Uh, it's the P four hundred. So it's the, the hybrid. Co- no, it's oh. the it's the mild hybrid. It's the MHEV. So it's basically a three liter V six. Right, it's a Land Rover engine. Um, because a lot of these, a lot of the diesels that well they are they're all BMW engines now, and and the new S V R that's coming, that will be a BMW M five engine, but the the three-liter car, the P400, and the P440 is a hybrid. So is that a P- Is it P440E? Is that what they call it? Correct, That's a plug-in hybrid. Yes. Okay. Um, mine's just a P400. Fine. Okay. So, so a petrol car. So we'll appeal to a, a London audience. Um, it's a proper bit of kit, mate. I, I can imagine. So have yeah. you been have you been fighting around with it in the weekend? So um, uh, not really. I've you know it, it come to me like with 200 miles on it oh, okay um, I've I used it yesterday so it might have i don't done I had to do a couple of journeys yesterday um, so it's, I think it might have done 400 miles now or whatever but that's it and it, it won't get used now until it's sold so it's under 500 miles anyway
1: stepping in it though can you see where they've
2: improved it so it is 100% a level above in the cabin, in in the car. Interesting. And actually, I can't think of a nicer car to plonk yourself in. Definitely that price range, for sure, it's a level above in terms of finish. The seats are loads more comfortable than the old car. They've really done well with the seats. Um it's a lovely place to be. It looks nicer outside with them sweeping lights and a few other little touches, but fundamentally, mate, it is still a Range Rover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and like literally last month, we sold the last of the old one. I was driving it for a while. Remember? I remember. And and that was a that was a three hundred diesel car. And. To drive down the road, apart from you being in a nicer environment, and it is a lovely environment, it's got a big iPad touchscreen, it's all very modern, everything works as well, by (laughs) the way. I mean, maybe maybe they have got this right, because I don't know what they've changed around the car, apart from the entertainment and the new screens and whatnot. Everything just seems to work completely fine. So... Um, fingers been, crossed fing, fingers crossed yeah, yeah. so um, it's very simple is it quieter down it's, the road yeah well because
1: they made a big deal about this at the launch yes yes okay
2: so I you could almost be an electric car mate wow it, it's like you can't hear it at all, which is perfect it's, it, it's really lovely to waft down the road
1: in but so was the old one of course so this is just as it should have been <laughs> an improvement on an already fantastic product. Yeah, it, It's turning Range Rover up to 11 or maybe 12. It's, it's, it's sorting out all the old issues, which are crappy old tech and yeah. maybe outdated seats and all these different things yeah. to make it more refined, better, to compete with things like Bentayga and Cullinan and stuff. And actually on that note, even though we're talking about Range Rovers at crazy overs and the fact that they are inherently more expensive than the old model, which they can get away with because of things like Cullinan's and Bentayga's, would you argue, now you've spent some time with one, it's actually a bit of a bargain in that luxury SUV market? So this is really weird what I'm about to say, right?
2: I think that it's an absolute bargain when you're comparing it to a Bentayga in terms of, um, okay, dynamically, it's not going to be quite as good as a Bentayga. But again, we've had this conversation before. Who cares in an SUV? Exactly. Who cares? To drive down the road, it will be equally as good. It is another level inside in terms of tech and the way it looks. Maybe not quite finished because Bentley are very good at finishing their cars. It's very German. (laughs) but, but, But the Land Rover is beautifully finished it is lovely the steering wheel's nicer now um, there's leather everywhere and it's lovely leather as well it's like got a really nice feel to it i'm trying to explain it as well as i can for people that have not been in it um however i if you compare it to the old car mm-hmm. it's a bit too much money but if you're comparing it to the Competitor, so basically, what I'm saying is it's cheap if you're
1: comparing it to competitor yes, if you're comparing it to an old car it's too expensive. but I think this is a sign of the times to quote um harry styles i think um I think it's just we ca- you can't compare it to the old car because the world has moved on. Um, the market is very different to when that old car came out. Yeah, There are so many of these things, RSQ8s and, and, and X5, no, X7, whatever, you know, fancy, super high-end SUVs, Cayenne, Turbo GTs, all these different things that Range Rover, if it came out and the car was 10 or 15 grand <laughs> cheaper than it is, Well, they would just be shooting themselves in the foot. They can get away with charging more. And actually, as we've just said, if you look at them in comparison to what else is on the market that does that super luxury high-end SUV, they are, I think, a a bargain. I think it's a very attractive proposition. Well, new. if you compare list, list, new,
2: new price, not take the overs bit out of it at the moment, and that's an inflated market and that will settle down in a bit. The only problem is at the moment, uh, as far as I know... The waiting list for a new Range Rover at the moment is about 2024 or it's the back end of next year. So this is why they're going for the money or they're advertised for the money that they are because you just can't get one. Yep. So, yep. and they'll come in batches and then they'll go away again and everyone's ordered one. A few more will hit the market because people that that are buying these cars... um they think, well, I'll I'll, I'll have the the overs, and I'll just wait, or I'll buy another car. You know what I mean? I'll just buy something else. The only problem with that at the moment is everything is expensive. Everything's insane at the moment. Everything is expensive. So if you go list for list, so if you go list for the old Range Rover, and then list for the new one, I think there's about a 15 or 20 grand difference in price, roughly. Because you've got the, the overs, obviously it's more. However, the old one is not lost the money that it normally would, because values are strong. So in, in inherently, say this car just come out and it was uh, 110 grand or something, and the old model would have been 90, say. The old model, in normal circumstances, after a year or two, would be 50 or 60 grand. Mm-hmm. Well, it ain't. it's still 80 or 90. So, the old cars just moved from that. So the actual price difference, you just you just move barriers. So because the old ones held its money, because you can't get them anymore, and they knew the new one was going to be more money, the gaps actually fairly similar. It's just you're paying more money. So and that's just what's happened with the market all
1: around. So it's the way it is. It's the way it is. I think I mean it's the first time I've ever heard you argue to buying an older shaped car than a newer one. By the way, but. I think my nervousness would be if, you know, if you had a half oh, flip it and get the overs, and I was going by buy a 2019 Range Rover, why not? I think at some point they are going to tank those overs. Oh, no, cars. you've made a mistake. The the problem
2: is they're going to tank together, because that's always what yeah, happens. When right. the new car comes down, the old car will have to come down, because yeah. that is just what happens, mate, in general. But the difference between the two, yeah, the new car is overs, but because the old car is still so, so strong, the gap is big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not as big as you'd think it would be. Um, but you can't have that new one and then get, get in the old one because you'd be disappointed. Oh
1: uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. That's exactly. I think you would. I think. I think. Oh mate, it's next level. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping there's going to be a chance. I was supposed to be going tomorrow, but diaries don't work out. Um, hopefully there's going to be a chance for me to get behind the wheel of one uh, in the next few weeks or month or so. So yeah, stay tuned on the main channel. Hopefully some content on coming. That it's so strange across. with
2: Lang Lamb
1: Rover as well because if they could get the damn
2: things to work all the time. They are the best car on the road. Oh, yet. yours!
1: You said you said yours has works all the time. Yeah, no, no. no.
2: But what I'm saying is, it, they are going to have problems at some point because Land Rovers do. But what what I'm trying to say is, is that they build a car, Land Rover, like no one, no mm. one else. There's no one that competes with that Range Rover in terms of price. There isn't another car that that competes. Bugatti Chiron, no. I'm no <laughs> but but you know what I mean. It's like yeah, it's a level above the German cars in terms of price, but it's more than a level above above in terms of the way it makes you feel as well.
1: and Okay, know. I'm going to pose a question to you then. I'm going to interrupt you and pose a question to you. Do you think Range Rover owners really care about the, you know, the-, the-, the theoretical or-, or proven reliability issues? Do you not think that their Range Rover brand is so strong and the loyalty to the Range Rover brand is so strong? Take my dad, for example, that those people are just buying... Range Rover after Range Rover after Range Rover after Range Rover. And if they have niggles, it's just, it's just part of that experience. It's something that's on their radar. Then it's, it's not enough to make them go, I'm fed up with this. I'm going to go get something else. Because even my dad had... This is Paige, the
2: co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: He's stolen, let alone issues he had with other you know, bits of tech and stuff like that. And to be fair, he never had any serious mechanical issues, my dad. He had tiny electrical gremlins, which you probably could have found on most other cars. So he was lucky. But he had three nicked, because they're one of the most stolen cars in the UK. Mm. He still just kept going back. Mm. Just kept, and, I, and I think... That's kind of the case, which is where Range Rover have been geniuses with this new car. They haven't reinvented the wheel. Yeah. It's an improvement. It's a product that will be familiar to their customers, like Harry Metcalf, who's been just buying them for donkey's years. Mm. They just keep going back. Do you know well, think our, it's no. one of the strongest brands in the world for that?
2: I would absolutely disagree with that because I've seen it with my own eyes. And I know customers that always bought Range Rovers. They kept going wrong. And they now buy German cars. Really? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. They finally gave up, or well, because just- if you're all- fed up, mate, with them buying a hundred grand car or an eighty grand sport, and mm-hmm. you drive out the showroom, and the, 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 the bloody all, all the lights go out, and mm-hmm. and mate, mate, honestly, some of the stories, engines blowing up, and uh, you know, it's it's not acceptable in 2022. Yeah, you'll get stuff with just niggles, and that and they're fine, but historically they have suffered with huge problems at all uh, uh, as well so yeah you're right you do get them loyal people that have always buy the brand and i always i've always said if if you could if you pick one car that does everything all and you're not bothered you just being, a, you just have a range rover sport you just have a range rover because it does everything it's accepted everywhere it it just does everything but you know they <laughs> they've just got this reliability problem and they have lost, they've lost a huge amount of money over the last few years. Some of that is COVID, but, but,
1: I think yeah. they just came out announcing some losses, haven't they? Huge, they 300. The chip chip yeah. shortage. Yeah. But you know what, until we had met and definitely to the last few years when we've been doing this podcast, I actually personally was never that aware of Range Rover issues. Mm. And, you know, my, I say my dad's had four or five over the last 10 or 15 years. Mm. My mum's now had... She's on her second or third Evoke. She just had a couple of things with the latest one, which is just more sort of time, but not a reliability thing. Like, Mm. so in my family, we've probably had close to 10 Land Rover products over the last 15, maybe even 20 years. Rock solid. Yeah. Rock rock solid. And so, you know, it was only through meeting you and talking to you and then I guess getting a little bit more exposure. But even still... You know, we talk about McLarens a lot. We talk about Ferrari sometimes going on, cars going up in flames, different things. But I very rarely get people coming up to me and regularly complaining or moaning about Range Rover issues, even though I know it's kind of a given. I I know it's a thing, but but you have definitely informed me of that. So Mm. I don't know what that says about Range Rover customers. Maybe it's that I... Don't know many of them, <laughs> or, or like, oh. do you know what I mean? Like, or, or they just get on with it, or, or or they give up and change their car, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's
2: yeah, I mean, you can be lucky, mate. Like, you can get one, and and, and it's a bit like McLaren mm. if you get a good one, yeah, fair. They're, okay, they're as good right. as gold, yeah, yeah. so um, but if you get a bad one, you're in trouble. And I'm the same, same with a lamb Rover. if you get a bad one, you know, if you get a good one, you're of days. they are as good as mm. gold, yeah, for mm. sure. And the good thing about lamb, you always get this. Land Rover when a new car comes out maybe apart from the Velar actually that was a bit of an odd car that was too expensive that car new but like I can go back 10 years when the new Range Rover Sport come out and there was a huge uptake for them as a year waiting list and that was when production was running properly and they were still overs mate 10 years ago they were 10 or 15 grand over 10 years ago so all right the new Range Rover now uh, uh, is is whatever it is over whatever people are paying for them as a percentage. When you think that new Range Rover Sport back then was like seventy grand ish in two thousand and thirteen, and they were trading for like 80, 85s. When you consider the percentage and the new one, like it's about the same. Like, and we've got another new sport now, don't we? Just which, unveiled, which will be which will be another. Mate, I remember as well when they first
1: bring the Evoke out. Flipping hell! The attention for that. This is what I mean, man. Do you not think that the brand loyalty or the brand factor? It's it's a really aspirational is maybe not the right word, but I just think it's got such strong brand power. That Range Rover badge, that more than Land Rover, that Range Rover stamp. I just think there's a cult following for it, despite issues despite mm. even to this day you know supply issues and delays and production queues and all this different stuff people still just adore those products or that brand or the I, ideology of that brand well back then when
2: that new sport come out and the evoke come out and the new Vogue come out they were smashing it land rover for about four or five years they could do absolutely no wrong and then they lost their way and then they had the resi- reliability problems and then we get to Twenty twenty, and now there's a supply issue, and that's still ongoing now. So they had a couple of years Land Rover where they were struggling, and you could see that in their profits as well. Another thing with Land Rover, which is odd for a manufacturer, they have a huge pot of money. This just goes to show that even though they've got a, they know they've got a problem, they have a huge pot of money set aside for buybacks. And problematic cars. I mean, I don't really know any other manufacturer that does that, but Land Rover do have yeah. that in place. I don't know what happens at the end of the year when the money runs out whether they keep topping it up. I don't know. But I know that they did have that in place because they knew they had a problem. And let's just hope with this new car that they fixed it because, like I just said earlier, that I... I I, if I had to pick one car to drive every day, if it worked properly, it would
1: be a Range Rover. Potentially, shoes huge with this new one. So, what what are your thoughts on the new Sport? I thought it looked a bit velar like, styling wise.
2: Yeah, I mean they're all they're always going to go. They've got that they've got that look about them now. Mm. I mean the only good the, another really good thing about Land Rover is that yeah they've made them more rounded and and you know they've they all still look like Range Rovers though, not Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? You yeah, could, yeah. They, and it's very clever the way they design it. And you know what I noticed the other day? And I noticed this with a lot of older model cars. You know, if a car gets older, it starts to look like its previous model. So in terms of the way it looks, so, okay, I when see. When something you're saying. gets yeah. dated, a bit yeah. dated, and you look back at the previous model before it, you can see more similar similar Similarities. Yes. Ah, that's a simula- tough word for Monday it's morning. A t- it's a tough word for me. Yeah. So um it's weird how that that happens like when it first comes out it's revolutionary and you think flipping hell what a car like this miles better than the other one but when you step back and then the new one comes out after that you look back at the old one You think, actually, it's not
1: that much different. It's terrifying how quickly things age as well. Yeah. You know, when the minute there's a new car come out, you're like, oh my God, the old one looks crap now. Mercedes
2: are the worst. They change their cars every 10 minutes.
1: Literally. And suddenly the old one suddenly looks completely out of date. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the new Sport we don't know so much about. Well, we do know a bit about, but but no one's really got behind the wheel of it yet. Um, but given the sort of positivity around new Range Rover, I'm excited for Sport. Sport's always a bit more me because of size-wise. I think mm. if I was in the market for a Range Rover, I'd be looking at Sport instead of instead the big one. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the SVR, a bit more beefy version, some nice spec cars. Um, so yeah, two two Range Rovers that w- we can and should be excited about. Yeah. And, yeah. Hopefully, I'll get behind the wheel of something. Clark- you've Clarkson was right about. And I sort of agree with
2: him. He said once that if you've got a sport and you have a Vogue pull up beside you, you're going to feel a bit inferior. It's the ghost and the phantom
1: Mm. theory as well. And
2: I kind of agree with him, mate. Mm. Like the, the, the Range Rover sport is like the Gulf of Hot Hatches. The Volkswagen Golf, of, there's millions and millions mm. and millions and millions of them. You know, like every man and his dog's gonna want one and has one. You know, and we know this from the previous model. I mean, yeah. they are gonna sell millions of them, but actually, for a way it makes you feel, and if you if you want to be a gentleman, Hello. you have the Vogue. Yeah, I think it's a, I
1: think it's a different product. Yeah, I think yeah, big Range Rover is. Exclusive elite, luxury, premium, yeah. best of the best. They called it the original influencer at the uh, at the launch. Sports. you're right, firstly has more competition. It's less special. It, it, it's a pocket-sized version of that, so it makes it more accessible. That's the whole point, right? It's more affordable, makes it more accessible. You're getting a part of that Range Rover experience, but not the full whack. Yeah. So that's why it's so popular, because not everyone can afford the full whack or wants the full whack. It's a bit RS4 to RS6. Yeah. Um, there's loads of examples along yeah, the, along the yeah, line, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I, feel, I still think Range Rover Sport is a hugely desirable product, but yeah, it doesn't give you the same thing that the big Range Rover does. Mm. But not everyone's after that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Not everyone is after the big Range Rover. My dad was never interested in the big Range Rover. For him, way too much, too big, too showy. Not what he's after. The Sport was just perfect for him. Fair so, enough. So, you know, uh, different, different markets, different cars. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from Range Rover. Do you want a brown Defender? A bit- Oh I do. You got, <laughs> yeah. you got a brand defender? No, yeah, you do not. I have, yeah, yeah. One ten or ninety? Uh one ten. Not interested. Oh. <laughs> what engine? It's the D two hundred.
2: Ah not interested. So it's the six cylinder. That, mate, it's much better than that four pot,
1: you know. The only one I've been looking at, which would just be so stupid of me, is the P four hundred. Because I think if the defender, if I had a defender with a bit more poke, I'm not going to go and buy a defender. Who am I talking about? But I got bored at the weekend, and you know, obviously replacing the RS6, blah blah blah. I'm starting to, you know, bore myself with those decisions. Are you selling the RS6? Yeah, we've been talking about it for weeks. Oh, I said I got to get rid of it because I got these things coming. You know, everything's going. Oh, uh,
2: uh, well, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. just, I'm just, yeah, trying yeah, yeah to no, no. I, you know, it's,
1: it's, we're going to get there eventually. But okay, um, well. yeah, f- defender, I think, I, you know, the pokier engines. I get that the. What, what did you say it was? D two hundred D. Yeah, the D. You got the D two hundred and the D three
2: hundred, I think. But I always thought that, and I drove it the other day because we obviously mm. we had a couple of really early ones, and they were the two forty four pot engines or the two fifty four, whatever they were. But that that D two hundred is fine. It's a six cylinder. Yeah, and and it, cause it's got loads Lovely. of torque. Yeah, it's it sure it's good nice. enough, mate. It's yeah, no, I mean, fine.
1: they're so popular because I see them everywhere, yeah, and I popular, see a few people yeah. were buying them, getting nice spec ones, and I always go, oh, so cool. But then I just remember. Actually, it's crap to live with. (laughs) Uh,
2: No, the 110 is better than the 90. Oh, of course. Of course.
1: Has it got got air suspension? Yeah, they all got air suspension. Yeah, it's got the the steel wheels as well, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, brown steel wheels. I'd have it just to look at. Uh, um, Well, talk about having things to look at. So this weekend, I've got a video going live, which I actually shot about a month and a half ago. Am I in it? Secret. You're not actually in it. (laughs) But I went out to Morocco. Oh, I know about this. To get behind the wheel of, I don't really know how to sum it up. It's a creation from Nissan and Shell uh-huh. to celebrate a, a 1970s victory in the East African Safari Valley. Right. That S- Nissan slash Datsun achieved with a 240Z, I think. Yeah. And they've created this kind of tribute car with a Nissan Duke. Have they? Mate, this thing is so cool. So it was revealed last year as a kind of like a not a concept even, um, renders. They just did renders. Like, ah, yeah. oh, look, this would be cool, wouldn't it? Like, stuck some lights on it. Everyone was like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. And they actually went and built it. They built it. Do you remember when they'd done the Duke GTR, when they
2: put the Nessane yes. GTR? They do some crazy they stuff. Do some cool stuff yeah, like, they do some cool stuff. Yeah, they do,
1: Got to applaud it. And so, so Shell have, uh, I was there because of Shell and Shell had been doing all the all the lubricants for it, so the oil and the fuel and things like that. Uh, all was explained uh, in the video. Uh, but yeah, this this really cool, quirky looking duke, proper adventure mobile, and they flew me out to Morocco to basically go exploring the Saharan Desert in this rally-specced Nissan. It's, it was the... Coolest adventure of my life! I absolutely adored it. So much fun! So that video is going live on Sunday. Some stunning visuals, and as you say, like just bravo Nissan. Yeah, yeah, fair just enough. cool like that. just yeah, Doing these kind yeah. of wacky projects because, like, why not? We can. They had something to celebrate. We can. We've got the knowledge. We've got the expertise. We've got yeah. partners like Charlotte's Bish Bash Bosh. Create something cool. When's that new uh
2: free seventy Z coming out? The new the, f- the 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 Z. They're just the calling Z- it the Z. Oh, no, they're just calling it
1: a Z. Didn't we? Are we getting it here? What was the one that we're not getting here? Are we not getting it here? Oh, that was a Corolla, wasn't it? No, the GR I, Corolla. Are we getting the Z here? Are we?
2: Are we not? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they if if we didn't because they don't sell many of them.
1: I thought we had this whole discussion and it's Did not we? coming here. Oh, um, four hundred horsepower V6, and you just didn't care. No, well, I, I don't care, and and you were like, oh, whatever. No, oh, because you'd what you yeah, have, not for the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, well, the reason for that four hundred horsepower really V6. No
2: yeah, it's no good. Oh, no, it'd be amazing, mate. Yeah, no, it's no good. It's no good for this country. So why are you asking about it, then? No, no, because yeah, I, just, I saw a clip, I saw a clip yeah, the other day. I don't want right. one, for sure. Sure. But, sure. um... I'm going to import one from Japan. No, you're not. <laughs> I not told lies. No, I'm not, but anyway.
1: So, yeah, keep your eyes out on the main channel for that video, and then shortly after that will be my trip to Tenerife in the 360. <gasps> Setting off on Thursday. What Can you, you imagine if you had wait. any
2: money... You'd be dangerous. You'd just been importing cars left, right. Oh and my center, god, I'd well, be nuts. While.
1: If I was JWw and I had all the money in the world <laughs> and a lot of support to do some crazy stuff, I'd be flying Chirons to Chile. I'd be importing the weirdest, wackiest civics from Japan. No, no, don't give him any ideas. I'd be putting like V12s <laughs> in Volvos and driving them around the Arctic Circle. Yeah, bit- probably coming soon to a J.G.W <laughs> yeah, channel. Um, so yeah, James, if you ever need anyone to uh, help spend some of that, that cash. Or Tim. Uh, Tim, Tim's a bit too, he thinks it through a bit too much. I, I feel like I, get, I need someone who's got a bit, bit, bit of a wacky mind, you know, mm. who I can encourage to do some crazy things with. Um, we're talking about crazy things. What about McLaren entering Formula E? <laughs> Oh, oh, no, I missed that. Did you miss that? Well, um, yeah. I mean, they've in. bought the Mercedes team. McLaren are going formally. Like, what is Zach Brown up to? What is that about? No, I know why they're doing it. Go on. No, I
2: know why they're doing it because they're going to sell it. So Just they build it, building the brand up to sell it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and this will all be tied in with the Audi.
1: I well, bet you, mate. I actually owe you a bit of an apology. Yeah, because it's since come to light that old oh, stroll has been checked out here over at Aston Martin okay after oh, so I completely ruined you and shut you down said so, never never gonna happen yeah. <laughs> about a week later an article came out that yeah for the Formula One team which doesn't make a lot of sense because obviously Mercedes part owned the road cars and yeah. put the engines in all this stuff like that uh, I said, do they still put the engines in yeah they, of course they do for the Vantage right yeah yeah were yeah, Aston yeah. ever gonna do their own engines for the Vantage why would they why would don't they? work anyway so now he's talking about getting Audi involved with the F1 team I don't really get what's going on it's all a bit of a mess who wants to sell it me, but McLaren going yeah let's go Formula E racing in a in a series that we all think is probably going to be in the ground in a couple of years time it just felt yeah bizarre
2: but... mm. just building their brand up
1: yeah no I think you're probably right you're probably right they're now in so many different motorsports I guess that's cool it's a great heritage great brand but mm. yeah Formula E is not interesting many people right now no A um, couple other little bits of car news before we wrap things up uh, V12 Vantage reviews came out Good. I didn't think they were that amazing. Well, uh, you Did was you... messaging us in the group, and Paul
2: Wallace was with me. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's always a shame. And he said, uh, yeah, "Let's watch the video. Let's 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 see what he's talking about about the noise." And you're right. You said it was a dead
1: noise, and it. Is... I wasn't about the noise. I, I well, I, I, the noise is just like the DBS. Like yeah. it's not the old. One. It was more. So I watched the Henry Catchpole carfection video because mm. he's the best. Mm. And I just thought Henry spent the first three quarters of the video basically tearing the car apart yeah but then trying to summarize it in a nice romantic way saying that because it's got a v12 engine you can forgive everything else because it's a v12 which i i get it's probably the same kind of thing that i would have said but actually i feel like most of the time he just said it's
2: let me have a go i could tear it apart for the old video
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) let's not do that i I still kind of want to drive it just for like do you want to buy one no no the money is a joke how much is it starts like 240 oh, no, i've, lost I've had friends specking up over 300 pounds are these people gonna buy them? no i've had well one i know one who's gone ahead but most people have gone <laughs> no. thank you <laughs> um yeah it's oh i don't know i i wasn't expecting any different but i was hoping for a bit more <laughs> you just don't care do you no you've got nothing to say about I, it, i've got nothing okay. to say mate. do you have anything to say about the boxster spider rs yeah go on it's coming yes <laughs> <laughs> that's why i'm bringing it up Thought? So um no i agree yeah i also don't think it can be called an rs well half off its roofs off well this is the thing right so i know that this generation 718 generation gt4 boxer spider or 718 spider basically identical except the roof um but Inherently, if, if Porsche are all about RS, track, focused by, you know, it's only PDK because manual's not quickly enough. Mm. I think if they have this Spider, which is inherently going to have a lot of the RS bits on it, yeah. it should have a different name. It should be something else. I don't think you can have 718 Spider RS. Yeah, It's not going to have the big wing from what we've seen in the development shots. I mean... Mind you, you say no. I'm going to get you here.
2: Oh, you say no. You love the GT3. Yep. You also love the speedster, correct? Which is a basically a spider version of a GT3, correct? So why were you not like the GT4 RS? Because it's
1: not a spider version of the GT3 RS. What do you mean? So It's a spider version of the GT3. What I'm saying is the RS moniker. Right, got 718 you. Spider, 718 GT4. Totally, no, so you got me back. Yeah, oh, I didn't <laughs> think that forever. Can I
2: just tell you another thing as well? Go on. What's this? i don't know if we spoke about it what's this silly st thing that's coming out this tch- 911 yeah yeah not interested well uh, shut up yes you are you're not interested because you can't get one no no, no i'm not interested why are
1: you not interested go on that's the only reason why I would. what do you know one? about it
2: i know it's a two-wheel drive turbo manual
1: car no that's the sport classic that's the one i'm talking about oh the sport classic yeah well that's a collector's car not interested is this a collector's car, mate? Yeah. Well, yeah it's, it's so perfect. no one's going
2: to drive it, enjoy it, which is
1: exactly why I No, because look it. at every other sort of... Because it's done by the heritage department, not the GT department. Yeah, disaster. It, it, it's not a disaster. It's cool that it's something more than just a livery, because in the past, that's what they've done. Yeah. You know, look at the old Sport Classic. It was a Carrera S, I think, not even a GTS, which has had some nice body parts on it. Correct. It was all about showcasing uh, what was the kind of launch of, not paint to sample, but the... um. What do they call that? What was before paint sample? No idea. Bespoke, remember. bespoke. Bespoke. Porsche bespoke. It's not the name. <laughs> You're all over the place today. No, no. Anyway, the sport classic. It's cool that it is a variation of an engine and a car that we've already seen, but that you can't get anywhere else. So yes. Right. Two wheel drive, detuned manual turbo. Cool. Crash. No, no, no. Right amount. I mean, it's a lot of power. 550 or 500 Too much power for a manual. Or if you learn to drive, you could be all right. But, well, I um, can drive. I you drive can't, a Ferrari all right. can't drive manuals, mate. I can um, drive manuals. Now, no, I'm going to tell you another thing. Go on. Because you've missed the big part, but anyway.
2: No, you, tell, you, you, tell, you go
1: on because I'm going to get you again. Go on. I want to talk about the ST. So do I. Because that's something different. Tell me. Supposedly, still unconfirmed, but many Porsche aficionados <laughs> have basically concluded that this is happening. <laughs> We've got this big anniversary of the RS, right? The 73 RS. Um... And supposedly we're going to be celebrating that with a launch at the end of this year for a production run next year. Yeah, which is kind of going to be something 911 R ish or ST monikered. The thought is that that ducktail has come in for the sport classic because it's then going to be run out for this ST, which is going to be yes a manual. It's a it's a GT3 RS touring, so basically a 911 R called the ST. That's what. I've heard in Porsche a GT3 Fisanova. R. So 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 wait. It's a 911 R for today. So it's the GT3 RS manual without the wing. Right.
2: Well, that'll be a few quid as
1: well. Yes, and they'll make none of them. Yeah. I don't know how many original RSs there were. We can try and Google that, but it all what are those? What are you talking about the Max Chilton car? The 73 oh, RS. Oh oh oh. Well, he'll know. Oh, well, we can't get him though. How many? Let's have a quick look. Um, 200 lightweight, 17 RSHs... That, no, what is this? They'll make four or 500. How many career, 9 Oh, yeah, 1,590 examples. So I imagine that's how many they'll do of this ST thing. I say unconfirmed yet, but it's a famous moniker, the ST badge and name. And we've seen them do it before, the 911R as a prime example. We skipped a generation with the 991.2, didn't get that kind of iteration, but I think I think that's the route they're going to go, especially because there was some confusion. There was some talk of, oh, it's going to be a manual version of the Turbo S and it's going to be rear wheel drive. But that's now turned out to be the Sport Classic. Yeah. So the ST, as I say, is likely to be a GT3 RS Touring. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Don't pretend like... Stupid. No, not... I'm really not going to engage with you on this. It's a stupid
2: car, mate. A manual GT3 RS without any aero. I mean,
1: in what life are you in? It's another collector's car, mate. It's another 911R. I'm sorry. For me, that would be the ultimate modern day 911. Yeah, but you're deluded, mate. I'm not deluded because if they tune it correctly, which they should, if they literally just bolt a manual gearbox and take the wing off, that does sound like a crash. But... (laughs) if if it's developed for the road, which is supposedly what this will be, rather than the track, which is what the RS is all about. So slightly different suspension setup, correct gearing, etc. It will be the ultimate engine, the ultimate GT department engine. Yeah. The probably arguably the best 911 chassis ever made, which you would attest to with the turbo. Mm. So one of the best chassis ever made Mm. for the 911. Great modern tech, all the different things on the road, beautiful car, beautiful engine, manual gearbox for the drivers. People who want that involvement and that engagement and also to celebrate the history and the heritage. That to me is like the ultimate Sunday road blaster. Just like 911 GT3 Touring, modern or the previous generation. It's not a car for you, mate. There is a difference. We can repeat ourselves for another hour about how you don't like manuals and PDK is quicker and that's what the GT department says. That's what's great. Good on you. That's fine. Some of us prefer manuals. Some of us like manuals, like myself. And I think a manual GT3 RS, I think that's a very cool thing. Which
2: which they're contradicting because you've already just said they're going to make it softer than a GT3 RS. I don't
1: know it. that. I've just made that up. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, you made it up. I've, I, I said. I said, no, I'm, thanks. I'm assuming or I, I, I would assume it will be set up for the road. Maybe it won't be. But it's not about driving on track, mate. It's not about exactly attacking not. the track. It's but, a but, road car. Correct. But the GT3
2: RS... Is a terrible road car. Terrible. Well, there you go. So they hopefully will.
1: No, hopefully they will address this by softing it off. It's a terrible road car because well, suspension's way too firm, too strong, and aero makes it slow in a straight line and also power delivery. So this will. I'm not going to go into this. I don't want to have this You've fight with you. You've already said about no, the GT3. I, being, no, 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 Here wait, you no, go. no, no.
2: Wait a minute. You've already said about the GT3. how bumpy and our tram liney. That is. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a GT3 RS manual with no aero? While you're trying to change gear, it pulling you across the road. No, thank you.
1: I, I will take it. So, Porsche, if you have any slots out there for your upcoming <laughs> ST, don't worry about Tony. He can't <laughs> afford it anyway. So, <laughs> you stick to your fake GT2 RS. <laughs> Um, we'll draw a line there because I can already feel my blood pressure boiling Uh, (laughs) I don't want to sit here for another hour arguing about a car we don't even know for sure (laughs) Porsche are going to make we didn't even get into the Dakar we can do that next week Um, anyway next week will be return of Rate My Rides or Rate Your Rides thank you for all of you who've already submitted Uh, we're recording two episodes today because yes I'm off to Tenerife with the 360 later this week which I cannot wait for it's going to be a mad adventure Um, are you getting in there? I'm driving down and then getting the ferry from the south of Spain across Tenerife ought to be uh, revealed in a video coming soon to the main channel uh, and then I'm off to Canada so yeah so we're we're, we're going to be apart for a few weeks that's why we're doing double Thanks episodes thank God for that yeah thank God for that I already hate you enough after that Porsche <laughs> chat uh, also thank you so much for all of you who've got tickets for Behind the Glass Live there are just a handful of tickets remaining for that final date in October so if you do want to get down to a Behind the Glass Live event this year, go and check out that October date. Lots of you messaging saying, Oh, can you not just squeeze out one or two more tickets? No, you missed your chance. You've got to be quick with these things. They're sold out, they're sold out. That's it. But hopefully, we'll have. Wait for the next event. There we go. That's exactly it. Uh, if you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. And we'll be back with you very soon. Bye bye. See ya.